Um, I'm very happy to be up here uh, today. Uh, some of you know uh, I just recently changed uh, careers, so the last three years I've been a teacher. Um, and so I, I, as a teacher, uh, I've gotten to teach, while I was teaching for work, I probably got to teach for youth group maybe like uh, four or five times. And um, tonight's especially sweet for me because I think in the past, the, few, the last few times while I was teaching, you know, it was my job, so it was kind of hard to separate in my mind that I'm, te I'm teaching for work, but then I'm teaching for for a youth group um, also. So I wasn't able to give as, as much of my attention, I felt like, and focus to the messages when I was a teacher. But now that I'm not a teacher and I have a little bit more time to devote, uh, I'm really, really excited and eager to, to teach you guys tonight. Um, so I'm gonna start by uh, just opening us with prayer and then we're gonna get into today's uh, message. So um, please bow your heads with me. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you asking for uh, guidance and wisdom tonight. Uh, I pray that you would provide all the students with uh, listening ears and open hearts. Um, and I pray that we would all be uh, working together, Lord, to glorify you and to know you better, to take what your word says at face value and um, encourage and lift up one another. Uh, I pray that this message would be uh, uh, impactful in some ways and uh, would just lead to um, good conversations in our discussion groups. Pray in your son's name. Amen. In the year 2000, the grand year 2000, uh, before before all of you were born, actually, all the students, before all of you guys were born, um, the masterpiece of a film, the extremely goofy movie, yeah. was released in theaters. Was released in th I think it was released in theaters. I don't know. I, I didn't see it in theaters, but it was released somewhere. Um, so in this animated film, if you haven't seen it, uh, the lovable goof, Goofy, uh, goes to college with his son, Max. Yeah, no, it's, it's hilarious. It's a great plot. Um, he goes to college with his, his college-age son, Max. Uh, and in the movie, they compete in something called the College X Games. And even though he's clumsy, uh, Goofy actually does extremely well at all the sports, like skateboarding and BMX biking and all that stuff. Um, but he, his son gets embarrassed by him, and he doesn't want him to join on his team. So Goofy ends up joining onto the team of Max's rivals, um, who are this like powerful fraternity. Um, and uh, so they're, they're competing against each other. They're about to uh, head to the College X Games. Um, so, uh, he, after he's joined their team already, uh, Goofy discovers that the team plans to win, as they have done every year, by cheating. He finds out that they are playing to cheat. Um, and what do you think Goofy would do with this knowledge? He confronts the ringleader, Bradley Uppercrust III, that was his name, um, and tells him that he won't play on a team of cheaters. Uh, well... Uh, so he he says that to, he confronts the, the the team that he's on. It says that he's not gonna he's not gonna play with them. Uh, Goofy was kicked off the team and ends up joining his son's team eventually through a series of actions, uh, where he ends up saving a life and exposing the rival team as cheaters, um, while also winning the X Games. Goofy knew that cheating was wrong, and he stuck to his belief that it was wrong. He didn't compromise what he knew to be right and wrong. The immediate consequences of getting uh, of confronting the team was that he got kicked off the team, which uh, was pretty bleak for him, especially when uh, the team's uh, muscle guy, Tank, uh, threw Goofy out the door and kicked him out. Um, he was no longer welcome into the fraternity. Um, so it seemed bleak at first, um, but the long-term result was good both for him and for others because Goofy had done the right thing. Now why bring this up? 
What does Goofy have to do with today's topic? Well, today we're going to be uh, discussing something that many of you face on a daily basis, which is uh, peer pressure. But our topic is biblical conviction. Uh, So when you're faced with peer pressure, I'm going to explain what what, uh, conviction is in just a moment. But when you're faced with peer pressure, often the thing that your peers pressure you to do is to give up on your beliefs on the things that you believe, that you believe are right and wrong. So I've been using this word belief, I've been using this word conviction. So what is conviction? Uh, The definition we're going to be looking at is a firmly held belief or opinion. A firmly held belief or opinion. The other other definition you might hear, you might be thinking about, is uh, a formal declaration that someone is guilty of a criminal offense. Uh, That's not what we're going to be focusing on, that use of the word. We're going to be talking about a firmly held belief or opinion. That's what we mean by conviction. So what is a biblical conviction? Um, so for example, our firmly held conviction as Christians is that Jesus Christ is Lord of all creation, that he existed before time began, created everyone and everything, lived a perfect life, died an innocent man in place of sinners, was raised from the dead, and is now seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's just the core conviction that Christians should have. But what about other things? Are there other things that would fall in the category of biblical convictions? Should Christians have convictions about of things like cheating, as Bridget mentioned tonight, stealing, cursing, sex before marriage, fighting, things like that? Should we have convictions of those things? Should we have a belief about those things? If you are a Christian, you should understand what a biblical conviction is, and you should have many of them, based on the words of the Bible itself. So today, I'm not going to focus on, the de- on developing a biblical conviction. Uh, most of you have grown up either at this church or other good churches, uh, and you know what the Bible says. So we're not going to go into what, is the Bi- what does every single belief and conviction of the Bible tells us. Uh, you know, for the most part, what the Bible says. But what we'll be focusing on is standing up for the truth of Scripture, the truth that you already know about, and for what is right when faced with peer pressure and adversity. James 4.17, you guys can write that down. This is also in the intro section if you're on on your notes. Uh, James 4.17 says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Meaning if you know and have been taught what is right and wrong, God expects you to obey him. Sometimes we accidentally do something wrong. Okay, there's there's grace given for that. God knows we're going to mess up and we're not always going to perfectly obey him. But if we know what is right to do, um, he, he wants us and he thinks that we are going to do that and believe it. Um, so uh, more often than not, though, it's a willful choice, right? We willfully make the decision to, to choose right or to choose wrong over right. So today we're going to look at a few examples of, of, um, of ways people in the Bible have um, have avoided that by um, by being firm on their convictions. Um, so there are many Christians today uh, who not only do not know what it means to have a conviction, um, as you guys would probably see if those of you guys are on social media or maybe watch the news or just have family conversations at dinner or barbecues. Uh, there's a lot of Christians that have different uh, convictions or or don't have very many convictions at all, um, and many who have broken their convictions. What they've been raised to believe is right and wrong. A very common reason that someone might uh, change or break their uh, conviction 
is when they meet someone who becomes very important to them. This could be a friend, coworkers, a significant other, means a boyfriend or girlfriend, uh, maybe a spiritual or life mentor even, somebody who tells them, oh, no, you've been taught the wrong way this whole time. Let me teach the right way. Um, those are often the main reason why we end up changing what you were believed to, to be taught is true. As Christians, uh, we should do our, our best to understand uh, what convictions we should have, the ones that come straight from the Bible, and be able to differentiate from the ones that uh, are not right. When we hear something, we should be able to identify and uh, look at what Scripture says about that issue. Um, so today we're going to be, or uh, sorry, the only, so people can influence you, um, but there is somebody who should influence your convictions. Your, your convictions can change. It doesn't mean just because you believe something your whole life. Like you might, you know, sorry, I hope this isn't spoiling for anybody, but if you believe Santa Claus is real your whole life, um, then you probably, you know, at some point you're going to have to change that conviction. But, um, but other things, you know, not those things will have to change. Um, the only one that should change our convictions is God himself. So we're going to get into that, what that looks like a little bit. Um, so we're going to look at two, two examples today um, from the Bible, uh, people with strong biblical convictions, to kind of get an idea of what that looks like. Uh, one man, Daniel, and one woman, Esther. Uh, there's more, plenty, plenty more in the Bible than that, but that's just two we're going to focus on. Uh, and then we're going to look at how we today, because uh, these are both Old Testament examples, how we today, with the full authority of the 66 uh, canonical books of the Bible, should understand what biblical conviction is. All right, so your first section, um, Daniel's Resolve. You guys can transition there. So it's going to be, you can turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1. Um, we're not going to be reading very much from it, but I'm going to kind of summarize because um, a lot of you probably have heard this, the Daniel story growing up. Uh, if you were lucky like I was growing up, you got the, the Nest uh, movies. They were like animated uh, movies that showed all of the like main stories of the Bible. And I still picture Daniel looking like a cartoon character, uh, even though he was a human being. Um, but that's just what he looked like in my mind. Uh, okay, so Daniel chapter 1 is where we're going to be, so you can just turn there, and I'm just going to kind of summarize. Um, we're going to be in verse 8 eventually, but uh, just to kind of set the stage. So the background, uh, in the books of Isaiah and Jeremiah, God had prophesied that Israel would be captured by the Chaldeans, or the Babylonians, as, they're, as you might know them, uh, and sent into exile as a result of their, uh, so the Israelites were sent into exile as a result of their disobedience to God and their idol worship. So that was a prophecy. God said, because you have disobeyed and served idols, you're going to be given into captivity. So that, that happened in, in other books, in Jeremiah and Isaiah specifically, uh, that was prophesied. Um, and Daniel has, has taken place. This captivity of the Israelites, the Jewish people, has happened. Um, so the start of Daniel, we see that uh, it has come true. Daniel and his friends uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah uh, were taken as captives into Babylon. So Babylon is like the, the capital of the Chaldean Empire. Um, so uh, they were captured, they were brought in, but they were spared. They were kept alive. Uh, and they were brought into Babylon. It's interesting. So uh, you can take a look. I'm not going to read the verse, but uh, in verse 4, um, it, it's mentioned, we don't know exactly how old Daniel and his friends were, but it does, it does call them youths in verse 4 of chapter 1. So likely they were teenagers, uh, maybe, young, maybe like preteens, but probably close to a lot of your guys' age. Um, but because they were young enough, the Babylonians, King Nebuchadnezzar and his, his advisors and everything, they thought, oh, these are strapping young men and women. We can, we can raise them to be like us, to 
adopt our thinking and be good citizens of Babylon, basically. Uh, so they're captured, they're brought in as young men and uh, Daniel's friends, and they're told that, okay, this is what your life's going to look like now. So uh, they start, they're going to be told what to, how to think and dress and act and eat and everything differently than the way that they had been raised, the way that they had grown up uh, with their families in Israel. And uh, so they were, they were going to be indoctrinated, essentially, into the Babylonian culture. However, uh, Daniel did not forget the ways of his people, the way that his people had been taught by God um, in the Old Testament, um, the way God instructed them. So God had given the Israelites uh, instructions in Leviticus 11.47, specifically, and that whole chapter talks about some of the dietary laws, uh, not to eat what was unclean. So we can assume that whatever uh, meat and foods that Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to eat were not what God had called plain foods at the time. Uh, Daniel, along with his three friends, all agreed they were not going to eat the king's food. They were not. They resolved not to eat the king's food. So we're going to uh, look at our, our verse, uh, verse 8, uh, chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Daniel made up his mind. He, he was prepared for uh, this kind of situation by deciding in his heart that he was not going to, um, to, to compromise what he knew was right from what was wrong. So uh, we don't know if his friends all had the same conviction at first, uh, but that's one of the things about convictions. They can be learned and they can be shared. Having a friend or friends with strong biblical conviction like Daniel can be a great way to grow in your own biblical convictions. Um, so if you feel like you don't have a strong sense of what is right and wrong or being able to stick to it, having uh, a friend who is strong and sincere in their, in their belief and will stick to it, um, that's a good friend to have. Uh, but maybe, yeah, so maybe you don't know what the Bible says about cheating or lying. Um, just ask a friend who's been in the faith longer than you. Uh, ask your pastors and teachers where to find those passages. Uh, look them up to see where it is talked about in the Bible, whatever the issue that comes up is. Um, if you want to do some research on your own, on your own uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, asking questions and wanting to know the truth is always a good thing that God honors. So as a result of Daniel uh, obeying what God's word said, um, you can read the rest of the chapter. Uh, basically what happens is uh, him and his friends don't eat the king's food and they're healthy. They eat vegetables, they eat things that God said were okay. And uh, they're healthy and they're, they're strong. And then the, the boys who all ate the king's food were sick and obese and they were not in good shape. Uh, so uh, as a result of, God, of Daniel's friends obeying, God's word said God blessed them. They not only obeyed God, but got healthier through eating what, he, what God had told them to. So side note, though, at this point, you might be thinking, um, okay, well, I don't eat those things, so am I like in doing something wrong? No. Uh, I want to make a clarification. Uh, at this time, the Israelites uh, were still commanded to obey the Old Testament law. Those of you who have been here since we started Romans uh, know that while the law has a purpose, uh, it's no longer required for uh, believers um, after, uh, after Christ has come. Uh, ever since Christ fulfilled the Old Testament law by perfectly obeying it, Christians are now covered by a sacrifice and no longer need to keep the law to be made clean. Jesus has already done that for us. So you don't need to worry about the dietary laws of Leviticus. If you want to check it out as a diet plan, go for it, be my guest. Uh, but God is not expecting you to do that 
And that will not earn you any favor with God. That's the other important thing. Don't think that by going to the Old Testament and learning all the laws and doing them that you're going to somehow earn favor with God. You cannot do that. Uh, however, the point to take away from this chapter of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, is that Daniel chose to obey God in the face of some strong opposition. Even though the, the passage doesn't directly say uh, the dialogue between him and some of the other people, um, it seems that Daniel and his three friends were the only ones who had chosen to disobey the king's edict about food. There were clearly other youths there, uh, and many of them were Jewish. So why did they not stand up for this conviction that Daniel and his friends did? They weren't the only Jewish youths who were there. Um, sounds like there's was, there was a lot of them. Uh, did they not know the scriptures that Daniel and his friends had been raised to believe? Did they not believe them? Maybe they were afraid of the Babylonians. Maybe they just saw that you know their, their city and their country had been ransacked and they were afraid. Uh, or perhaps the king's food looked pretty good and they were tired of eating vegetables and avoiding some of the other meats and things like that, shellfish. Uh, but it doesn't really matter. We don't know for sure, but um, we, some of you might be thinking in a situation like that, well, who cares? It's just food. Why does it really matter? Uh, I can change my convictions. You know, it's, we're, we're living here now, so it's, it's good to change. The, the point here, the application for, from this passage, uh, is that we need to believe God when he says that something is good or not good. For Daniel at this time, under Old Testament law, he believed God when God said that eating certain foods was wrong. He took God at his word. His standing firm in his conviction is what led to him flourishing in Babylon. Um, if you guys have read the rest of Daniel, uh, he starts to interpret uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's dreams and then eventually uh, just becomes renowned and King uh, Darius and uh, the next king after, uh, a few kings after Nebuchadnezzar. Um, so God blessed Daniel through his whole life in Babylon, this whole time of captivity. Um, and eventually, uh, God's name was being known. Nebuchadnezzar, who was the most powerful king at the time, ends up glorifying God. And King Darius, who was the second, you know, the one after Nebuchadnezzar became a very powerful king, also glorified God. So you never know what God's going to do with you disobeying him and being uh, firm on your convictions. Um, so that's Daniel. Um, like I said, if you want to read more, I definitely encourage Daniel's one of my favorite books. Um, it gets a little bit interesting towards the end when it gets into a lot of prophecies and stuff, but have fun with that and ask questions. Like I said, asking questions is always good. Um, we're going to turn now to our next example uh, of Esther. So this is going to go back a little bit. Um, I don't know how many of you have actually read the book of Esther. It's a very interesting book of the Bible. Um, it's wedged in between Nehemiah and Job in the Old Testament. So Job's a really big book, so you can just find Job right before Psalm, and then it's like right before that. So um, if you haven't been there before, maybe you don't have any highlighter on it. I feel like the girls probably do more so than the guys, but it's applicable for everybody, you guys, as we'll uh, hopefully see tonight. Turn to uh, Esther chapter 4. So I'm also going to um, similarly set the stage a bit of what Esther's all about, and then uh, we're going to read a little bit from chapter 4. I'll, get, I'll tell you guys where to go once we get there. So background, uh, even though it is found before Daniel, so as you guys know by turning that direction, um, Esther comes before uh, Daniel uh, in the order of the Bible, um, but the events actually take place after Daniel does, or at least after the beginning of Daniel does. Uh, in a dream that Daniel had interpreted, Babylon would be replaced with Persia as the ruling empire. So that's where Esther takes place. Um, King Azurus wants a new wife 
this is the story. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. It, hopefully it gives you incentive to don't want to read it. King Azurus wants a new wife after his first wife doesn't want to show off her beauty to everyone during his 180-day long banquet he throws for himself. <laughs> Talk about being an ego trip. So 180 days, that's a long time of, the, of most of the year, um, just for himself. Anyway, he casts out that wife because she doesn't want to parade herself for 180 days. Uh, her name was Vashti. And uh, he casts her out, and uh, King Azurus's eunuch comes up with this idea to scour the land for the most beautiful woman. Soon he finds Esther, a Jewish woman, but she keeps her heritage a secret. Somehow, I guess their heritage, her heritage never came up again in conversation, um, somehow. So that's kind of the plot of the book is she's secretly, she's there. We know she's Jewish. It was kind of funny. Like, oh, I know that. He doesn't know. Um, so he doesn't know that she's Jewish, but it's going to play a role in the story. Uh, so somehow uh, time passes. They don't talk about that somehow. I guess they talk about his 180-day parties. Uh, then similarly to Daniel chapter 3, which we didn't read, but is also a very, really good chapter, uh, where Daniel's friends, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and uh, uh, Azariah, um, in that chapter, they, they are supposed to worship this golden image of King Nebuchadnezzar, and they choose not to do that, because they know that they shouldn't worship any other gods or people besides the Lord God. Um, but similarly, in Esther, uh, her, her relative Mordecai refuses to worship the prince Haman, uh, and uh, Haman is not too happy about that. He's a, Haman is a prince, uh, one of the princes under the king um, Azurus. Um, so the, the prince gets angry, throws a temper tantrum, and uh, he makes an edict signed by the king, stamped by him, uh, that uh, all the Jewish people should die. So now we're going to turn to our passage. Uh, this is in Esther chapter 4, verses uh, 10 through 17. Esther 4, verses 10 through 17. I'll read that. It's very long. Then Esther spoke to Hatak and ordered them him to reply to Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king to the inner court who is not summoned, he has put but one law, that he be put to death unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter so that he may live. And I have not been summoned to come to the king for these 30 days. They re- related Esther's words to Mordecai. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa, and fast for me, and do not eat or drink for three days, neither day. I and my maidens also will fast in the same way. And thus I will go in to the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and did just as Esther had commanded him. Esther, uh, so, had married the king, so now she's a queen, right? She's a queen of Persia. She was living large. She went from just a person living in town, basically a slave, to, uh, to a, a queen of the country. Uh, she did not have to stand up for her people's lives, right? She, she, was, she was, by marrying this king, she was the ruler of this other country. So she could just totally have disregarded her people, not cared about them at all, and just focused on maybe her own kingdom. Um, but was that Esther's conviction? 
For verse 16 tells us that she chose to disregard the king's law uh, and to obey God's law, which was to protect um, his people that he had chosen. Protecting God's people was her conviction. You should read the rest of the book to find out what happens next. I'm not going to spoil it too much, but hopefully I piqued your interest. Um, But the point here is that whether it's something seemingly small, like what Daniel did, uh, putting something into your body, or something seemingly large, like protecting other people's lives, it can be very easy to disregard what God says about those things. It can be very easy to choose to go with the flow rather than to stand out and say, no, that is not right, or uh, no, that's not true, or better yet, to do something when you see evil and try to stop it. So at this point in the message, after hearing a little bit about each of these people, um, you're probably thinking, well, those types of things don't really apply to me. Uh, I'm not kidnapped and living in a pagan land. Debatable. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not royalty either. So what should you take away from these examples if you're not royalty and you're not kidnapped? Uh, both Daniel and Esther, uh, regardless of their positions where they were at, uh, believed that there was right and there was wrong. And they stuck to those convictions. They didn't give in to peer pressure or fear. I mean... Esther's life was on the line. She, she knew that if she went to the king without being summoned before him, that she could die for doing so, even though she was the queen. Um, it wouldn't matter. It was just the law. Um, or laziness. Sometimes we just don't want to do anything about it because we don't want to be bothered, right? We see something bad happen um, or somebody disobeying God's law, um, and we just think, like, ah, oh, whatever. I don't want to be bothered. Or I don't like confrontation. That's a, that's a comment I hear a lot. I don't like confrontation. Very easy cop-out, right? Um, if you like confrontation, you, that's probably not a good thing. Um, that's probably something to talk to your leaders about. But, uh, it, but these are things that God does want us to do, um, to stand up for what uh, his word says. Neither one of uh, these two people, Daniel or Esther, remained silent when given the opportunity to speak up and do something about it. Um, and I think that's something that we can, we can learn from as well. Um, part of the reason why God's given us his word um, and so that we can see these examples of his faithfulness through his people. Are there things that you would have the attitude that, that Esther has? Um, if I perish, I perish. Or are we to focus on the consequences or the results? Going back to Goofy, think about, he wasn't worried about if he's going to get kicked out of the, the fraternity or not, right? If he told them, if he confronted them, the, the fraternity as cheaters. Um, instead, he, he was focused on doing what was right, which was to say that he, he didn't agree with them and that that was wrong. Um, he didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, Daniel didn't know for sure that he was going to get healthier by eating what God commanded. Any of the other boys wouldn't be less healthy. Um, but he believed and he trusted that God had said that for a reason, um, that he wasn't just commanding something um, that was going to harm him, but something that was going to be beneficial, as, uh, as Bridget mentioned in her um, her snippet. Uh, so standing up for your beliefs, um, having that attitude of if I perish, I perish. Um, I'm not talking about something stupid like uh, driving a motorcycle off a building. Uh, you, you will perish from that. Um, that's not the attitude you should have. Like, oh, if I die, I die. And it's, it's, it's yeah, you're going to die uh, or break something. But um, it's the attitude of uh, I'm doing what God has has commanded me to do regardless of what's going to happen. Um, I don't know, and I, you can you can never know for sure 
um, if God's going to deliver you the same way that he delivered um, Daniel's friends from the, from the fire um, or saved them or, um, uh, or delivered his people um, from, from multiple times where they were, tried, they were people trying to kill them. Um, but we do know that uh, God rewards our faithfulness to him um, for obedience. Um, in both of these stories uh, of these people standing up for their beliefs um, and standing out for their beliefs, um, that's the other thing. So you don't always necessarily have to just shout out like, hey, that's not okay. Um, but standing out, as in not not doing what other people are doing. Um, when somebody is doing or saying or, or supporting something that you know the Bible does not does not support or um, is not true from the Bible, um, standing out by not participating and not doing those things. Are you willing to do what Daniel and Esther did uh, so that you can stand out and make God's name known? Because um, in, in all of these situations, um, we see multiple stories in the Bible, like Daniel's especially is a, is a really good one, um, where he uh, had two powerful rulers come to worship God as a result of just his, his faithfulness and just him not, not giving in to peer pressure and fear. So for your last uh, point there um, about Jesus as our example, um, that's where you can take notes now. Um, Christ as our reason for conviction um, I know, like Josiah mentioned last week, I don't have, I don't have uh, any slides like Luke usually does, but um, you can write down, um, Christ is our reason for conviction. Who ultimately stood up for you? Christ did. He didn't give in to peer pressure. His own friends told him, don't go into Jerusalem and die. He had told them that he was going to be crucified if he went into Jerusalem. They said, don't go there and die. Um, and what did Jesus say to his friend, Peter? In Matthew 16, 23, Matthew 16, 23, he says, Get behind me, Satan. You are, to his friend Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. You are focused on the things of man and not of God. If Jesus is our best example, and we believe that he is, then we need to be like him in obeying God and doing what's right. Um, Jesus stood up for you. If he didn't, if he gave into peer pressure or fear, or listen to his friends when he knew what God had commanded him to do, uh, none of us would have any hope at all. Um, we would be still dead in our sins. Um, Jesus stood up for you um, and gave the, paid the ultimate price for it. He did perish, and then he rose again. Um, and he's usually not going to be asking you to perish for standing up for your convictions, but he may ask you to suffer a little bit um, for that. Um, but he is our best example, and we need to be like him in obeying God. Jesus defends us before the Father. Uh, Matthew 10, 32 to 33. Write that down. Matthew 10, 32 to 33. says, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. This is a blessing and a warning. If we acknowledge Christ before other people, um, he will acknowledge us before God. Um, he will... He tell, he, encourages us by saying, when you do stand up for your faith, when you do stand out, um, I notice that, and I, I tell the Father, I, I, I remind him of, of you. Um, but conversely, if you are shy and quiet and don't say anything, and, or worse, you do you act and do, you give in or participate in what the evil that you are seeing um, by, by, saying, by staying quiet to what you know is true, um, this is a scary and dangerous thing. Um, so as Christians, we shouldn't be in that place where we're we're constantly um, being quiet or denying Christ or saying things that 
we know aren't true or believing things that we know aren't true. Um, so I'm just going to end by talking a little bit about, as I said, I wasn't going to go too much into detail, but I want to give you guys a few uh, steps for how to develop convictions. Because some of you might be thinking, well, I don't really know the answer to a lot of these things. Like when something comes up and I'm supposed to obey God, um, how do I know what God wants me to do? Um, if it, you know, what, where, do I, where do I find answers? Uh, the best way to be prepared uh, to stand firm for Christ and for what he teaches um, is to know what he teaches. Reading the Bible for yourself is a great way to develop biblical convictions. Uh, if you don't have a Bible of your own, um, we have lots of Bibles here that you can um, you can have, I'm sure. You don't have to just borrow, you can keep. Um, but having a Bible of your own um, is, is really good. Um, and just uh, even if you don't have, or you're not, for some reason, averse to having physical Bible, uh, even using your you know Bible app or whatever is fine, still, still has the same words. Um, but uh, reading it for yourself is a great way to develop those convictions. Know what the Bible says. You can he- Hearing so many things can be so confusing. Like I said, going to... You know, you go to a family barbecue and all your, all your relatives say they're Christian, but then you hear, oh, this person believes this, and that person believes that, and this person believes that, and grandpa believes that. And you're like, confused. You're like, what do you, why does everybody believe something different? Um, so go to the Word of God um, to, know, to learn. Um, but you can also learn from other believers. Ideally, if you have a whole family, they're not all disagreeing on things. Um, ask your pastors, teachers, uh, parents, um, friends who have been in the faith a little longer than you. Uh, ask questions. Um, it's a good way to start if you're not sure, because sometimes you don't even know where to begin, right? You you hear something, you're like, I want to know if that's in the Bible or not, or what that what God has to say about that, but I don't know where to go. Ask somebody else. Um, like it seem like a, a hack or something. Like, no, I'm like cheating. No, you're not cheating. Uh, go ask. <laughs> ask somebody else, and they can help point you to that place. Or maybe they don't know, and you guys can look together. Um, but don't just take one person's word for something, too. Uh, ask where it's found in the Bible. Um, you don't want to just believe the first person you ask about something. Like if you say like, oh, is uh, eating uh, rocks uh, okay in the Bible? Like, oh, yeah, probably. Okay, um, let's do it. You know, it, it, you don't want to just take somebody's word for for whatever you question you have. Like really try to find wisdom um, from other from multiple sources um, and the Bible itself. Uh, this will develop your faith as you see the answer in Scripture. That's a really important thing. That's something to help me in my walk is um, actually going to scripture to try to find things because you guys hear lots of stuff and you don't always know if it's actually taken from the Bible or not. Um, there was a, a te- like a game show years and years ago. It was like a Bible trivia one. And they were asking people in the game show, um, like these quotes, they were like all these quotes and they're like, which one of these is not from the Bible? And uh, one of them was, uh, it was an Abraham, or it was a Benjamin Franklin quote. I don't remember what it is now, but it was just like, these people were on the game show, so they thought they knew the Bible pretty well, and at least one of the people got it wrong, and they chose the one that was, they chose something else, not the one that actually was not in the Bible, so. Um, yeah, I think it was that, yeah, it was like, God helps those who help themselves, or something like that, and uh, it was not in the Bible, that was Benjamin Franklin. Um, so knowing what the words of the Bible themselves are, seeing it, you know, looking closely, reading it, highlighting it, all those things are going to be really good. Um, it's going to help you a lot as you develop your faith and trust in the Lord by seeing for yourself what the Word of God says. Um, that's why we're thankful that we have uh, churches we can go to where there's Bibles provided, right? Um, back in the day, if you were going to church or you know something, uh, the, the pastor had the Bible and nobody else did. So you were just taking their word for it. Um, but now that's not the case. Um, we do have the Word of God to utilize it. Um, seek the Lord's help in prayer. 
Sometimes reading and trying to grasp something in the Bible is difficult. Um, going to God in prayer is a great way to ask for guidance. Pray to the Lord and tell him you're struggling. You might be really struggling with, with understanding something. Um, pray for understanding. Jesus is compassionate to our struggle. He understands our weaknesses, um, as Hebrews 4, 15 tells us. And uh, we see in Matthew 9, 23 and 24, a situation where somebody wanted to believe and was struggling, and we see Jesus um, not turning them away. Um, so, so if you struggle with believing something, if you're like, I don't, I don't understand this, I heard this, it sounds like it is in the Bible, but I just don't quite get it, go to God in prayer, ask, ask him for help, ask him for clarity. He wants to give you those things. Uh, in conclusion, um, Jesus is worth standing up and standing out for. He's absolutely worth it. Whatever situation that you're in and you think, oh, my, my girlfriend's going to dump me if I say this, if I say I'm not for this cause, or oh, my, my boss is probably going to get mad at me, maybe maybe fire me. Um, Jesus is far more valuable than any of those of those things or people even. Um, don't, don't compromise what you know is true because you want to please other people. If you're pleasing other people, it might be at the expense of glorifying God. If we're being silent or if we're agreeing with what we know is not true so that others will like us or date us or hire us or whatever, um, or maybe just make our lives easier, um, then we are choosing to please man over pleasing God. One important note, though, I want to remind you guys, there is always grace when we mess up. Um, Nobody will obey God perfectly. Only Jesus could do that. Um, He did that for us on our behalf. Um, There's always grace when we mess up. But in order to mess up less, um, we need to be prepared for these situations. Think of Daniel. Pretty immediately when he heard from the from the um, the advisor to Nebuchadnezzar about eating food, um, it doesn't sound like there was a lot of time where he's like, oh, let me think about it and find out what the answer is. He knew. He already knew what was right and wrong. Um, so being prepared um, so that you don't have to just hear something, but I don't know. I got to go find that out. I mean, if that's the case, that's fine. Like I said, there's grace. But um, being prepared, reading scripture, asking questions, Researching what the Bible has to say about these things is going to help you out a lot as you try to determine um, the truth from God's word. Uh, learning what God's word says about what is right and wrong um, and seeing how people like Daniel and Esther and other uh, biblical heroes uh, responded to opposition and people like the Voice of the Martyrs, as Mira read tonight, um, how we see how they responded to opposition can be great ways to be ready when opposition comes. For opposition will come. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for uh, this night, and I pray that you'd be in everybody's conversations and discussions tonight. Uh, Please move in us and help us to be uh, pushing one another towards uh, these things, to be obedient to you and showing grace and helping when uh, when someone's in need or when someone's not sure or struggling with the truth. Um, Please make your truth clear to us. Um, Help us to turn to you in prayer and ask for your help and, and thanks. I give thanks for um, the ability to read your word, that we have been given your word on our devices and in front of us on paper in so many places, Lord. Um, Help us not to take that for granted. Uh, Thank you for tonight, and I pray that you would uh, bless our discussion groups in your son's name.